This is Pop Fiction Women. I'm Corinne. I'm Kate. And we're complicated. Blunt. Total boss. But sometimes a mess. Opinionated. But never boring. And in this podcast, we're discussing the complicated women of the best books, TV, and movies. Along with the complicated women behind the scenes. Warning, lots of spoilers ahead. So come back when you're done. Hurry up, it's starting. Today we are talking about when Harry met Sally. And Sally, who I happen to think is the original, the OG complicated woman, right? The OG. She was the first woman I saw not afraid to speak her mind. She challenges her partner. She challenges her friends. She does not apologize for being exactly who she is. I mean, I just think you can't encapsulate a complicated woman uh, like than her. She's the original. Right. I think, uh, um, yeah. yeah. I think she is the original. She seems a little dated to me now. Yeah. But I, I, I don't, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't say, I don't know if I'd say dated. I would say basic right like we've certainly come a long way she is one-dimensional compared to um some of the characters we have now yes but she is so at her core just the the essence of a complicated woman and some of these things I think we've lost sight of you know we've traded in maybe being blunt for being vindictive or you know complicated women come in so many more shades now but this to me is like the ideal yeah she's the prototype I think you're right she is from from which all others have followed so her complicated woman rating uh out of five uh, characteristics that we think are most important for a complicated woman never boring she's blunt or direct intelligent or curious unpredictable and she wants you but doesn't need you that ultimate sign of the independent woman who can be in a healthy relationship so what did you give our sally albright for her complicated woman rating so i i struggled with this one and i'm really interested to see where you come out. I I almost want to do this one in a different order. Okay. Uh, Well, because I think there, for me, there are three that she absolutely is. And and I want to, maybe we can run through those because I think you'll agree. And then there's two that I have trouble with and that therefore I I can't get to my score. Until I debate these. So I think think she's definitely blunt and direct. I think you've already previewed that. In, yes. in what you said, um, she certainly says what she means. So I think she certainly hits the mark on that one. Yes. I think she's certainly intelligent. Um, yes. We, we know from the outset when she's uh, leaving college that she's going to New York to be a reporter. And that's what she does. And yeah. I think throughout. And they're at, yeah, go ahead. And they're at the University of Chicago, yeah. which is always like top five, top ten school. So... For yes. sure. she's She's got the brains. Absolutely. And I think she wants you but doesn't need you. I think she hits our favorite characteristic yeah. for sure. Um, yes. So my difficult ones were the never boring okay. and unpredictable. Okay. So I 
I also had a question mark with unpredictable. Right. But for me, never boring was not even a question. I mean, did you, I'm sorry, did you hear her order yes. food? <laughs> like, how how could that person ever be boring? Well, that's she's fair. singing. She's singing Surrey with the fringe on top at Sharper Image. Boring. She's I'm trying. Sorry. She's trying to Bo- sing it. She, she has the. <laughs> yes, so she's that's true. she's up. She's uptight. Obviously, I think that's yes. obvious, right? Yes, uh, regimented, sure. very particular, neurotic. Yes, neurotic. Sure. So, yeah. so I guess maybe it's the it's the uptight sort of little shell that she has sometimes. But I yes. guess that's not really boring yeah I yeah I'm thinking about it sort of from the other point of view you're you're Harry or you're her friend or whatever I I just think spending time with her would never be boring she's so similar I think to Harry talking about how he reads the last page of a book because he's afraid he's gonna die she's doing something equally quirky and crazy but just like in a more optimistic way so you never know what's gonna come out of her mouth what is she doing what's going on I I definitely thought the the never boring was was an easy give. The unpredictable I think is harder. If you stay within the confines of this movie, it's it's I guess a judgment call. But and here I will give away one of my cheats for this entire podcast was anywhere where Sally Albright was missing something, I just projected Nora Ephron <laughs> you just filled in the gaps with, I totally I I totally completely filled in the gaps with Nora Ephron and if you look at Nora Ephron's life I mean I, specifically I'm thinking of heartburn Sally doesn't really feel wronged massively in heartburn when she's pregnant with her second child and her husband's cheating on her uh with a with a foreign dignitary's daughter. Which really happened she, to Nora Ephron. Yes, it did. Yes. So she And she goes crazy. So unpredictable, I feel like, is situational. You don't know how she's going to react to something. But I, I understand the fact that that wasn't clear in the confines of just this hour and 40-minute movie. So, But I still gave it to her. So I gave her the five. I gave her the five out okay, of five. Okay, so she was five out of five for you. She was. She was. Okay. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah. four out of five and five out of five, I, I think yeah. I think no doubt meets our complicated woman rating for sure. For sure. So should we move on to um, some of the best scenes? Yes. Okay. I started this with five, but I really challenged myself to get them down to the three that we, <laughs> we I had so many other cheats <laughs> in, in other segments that I was like, I'm not going to, I can't cheat here. I have to just narrow it down to three. And then again, hope that. Um, that that I fill in the gaps. Yes, that you fill in some of the gaps, or that they'll come up later on um, in other segments. I actually had four, and I usually do try to keep it to three. You do. I have four, but my fourth cuts um, both ways. It's, it's oh, it's a me too. Best and a cringy. So me, so me there's too. a little I cheating ha- there too. I have that as well. My first best scene is not the very first scene, but it's very early on. It's when they're in the car driving from Chicago to New York and really when they get to the diner yeah. and she's talking about the, the days of the week underpants. <laughs> I love it. 
And Harry's talking about um, Sheldon the Wonderschlong. I mean, great. I the that scene is just so good, and and it really sets him up as like this dark fatalist or or really nihilist, and she's this insistent optimist, and I it just sets them up on different sides, and that he is going to spout what he thinks and she is going to come back at him at every step of the way. I, I, I love it. It's a perfect setup and I love that it pays off at the end where they've come a little bit closer to each other. I think he's just a tad bit more optimistic and she's a tad bit more maybe dark and, and emotional. Right. But still themselves. Yes. Absolutely. Still Still these same people. In so many ways yeah. that we meet in this drive, you're right, from the University of Chicago, um, where yeah. I, this was absolutely one of my favorite scenes, too. I had it number one. Yep. Um, and I I think for all the reasons you said, I mean, it really just sets up their sparring that they're going to do mm-hmm. yes. the entire time. He is, I think, very dark at the beginning of this. Yes. On, on purpose. Yes. I mean, just spitting the grapes out the, yes. the window and yes. very fatalistic, like you said. Mm-hmm. It's almost like yep. he's trying to get a rise out of her to see, mm-hmm. you know. And she, you're right, she's just driving along and yep. hands on the steering wheel. And he's like, you know, you're probably one of those cheerful people who dot their eyes <laughs> with hearts. And she's like, yes. Basically, yes. <laughs> I'm a happy person. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. And she just yeah. she's just driving along. So, yeah. And the days yeah. of the week underpants are just great. I, I know. Mean, like, what? Where's Sunday? <laughs> Where had I left Sunday? I mean, it's just, it's classic. Um, oh, and it's her delicious. Yeah, her delivery, the whole thing. And I love that she doesn't really want to tell the story, but she feels she she can't hide it because she feels like she wants to defend herself and she wants to explain herself. Yeah, yeah. I, that that is such a great scene. Oh, when she says um, the best part of my life hasn't happened yet. Like she just is so excited. She's so full of hope. She's right. like, that's why I'm going to New York where my life is going to happen to me. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I could relate to a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. And that's when Uh, she tells him she's going to journalism school to become a mm -hmm. reporter. So we see, you know, her ambition right there. Yes. And of course, then there's him. So you can write about things that happen to other people. Yes. And she's like, that's one way to look at it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah, she doesn't back down. Okay, so that was my number one. Number two, I have coming again early on. I mean... The setup of this movie is pretty brilliant. You really get not only them as individuals, but then my my next favorite scene is really them as like a, a different dynamic. And that is when they meet at the bookstore mm-hmm. and um, she's with Marie and she spots him and she's like, oh, growth. <laughs> yes. In person, there's someone's eyeing you from personal, personal growth. growth. <laughs> um and Sally's like, oh, don't worry. He never remembers me. And he comes right over and knows who she is. And then they go um, out to dinner. And it's one of the rare moments where she's leading the discussion. And then he's like, wow, you just sound so good. And it's just a different dynamic. And then, of course, the content of what she's talking about there, um, how she changes her mind. She didn't want to have kids. And then she's with her friend's daughter and they spy um, a family and she just thinks to herself all of the things that she thought was good about th- their lives they could jet off to Rome on a moment's notice they never do it 
And so she changes her mind and she wants something different out of life. And I just think that was more complex. You could brush it off as a really cute scene, but it's pretty deep. No, I, I agree. And I, I had that and then I took it off. There, there, like like you, I had a few and I had to make yep. a call. But I love that scene. Um, yeah. That's the, you know, cold Mexican tile where they were. Yes, <laughs> they're not exactly. Having, they yes. could have sex on the on kitchen the floor. floor and he yep. asked her and she goes, well, no, I mean, it's a cold no. Mexican tile. Yeah. Uh, but, but she's very vulnerable in that scene. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. And while still being strong because yes. like you said he's a little bit of a mess about his yep. breakup with Helen yep. and and he is really impressed that she seems so good with her breakup with Joe yeah. and but since she does like I said at first you, I think mm, kind of like Harry thinks like maybe she's just saying this like putting right. on a brave face but then the more she talks and that explanation that you just described where she yeah. realized yeah. she wanted something different yeah, you do think you know she is good. She realized yeah. that you know we. Yeah, I thought we were one thing and we're not. And I thought I wanted certain things and I don't. And so Joe isn't the right person for me then. And yeah, she does have a confidence about that decision that yes. Harry is so surprised by. But I think yes. I believed it, you know. And and I think uh, her yes. acting in that, you're right, is great. Uh, um, acting in this whole thing yeah. yeah she's 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 fantastic um yes, so i, I did like that scene a lot yeah uh, well that scene that's the beginning of it then it goes to them walking in central park yeah. you know the first time we met i really didn't like you that much i didn't like you yeah you did you were just so uptight then you're much softer now you know i hate that kind of remark it sounds like a compliment but really it's an insult okay you're still as hard as nails I just didn't want to sleep with you, and you had to write it off as a character flaw instead of dealing with a possibility that it might have something to do with you. What's the statute of limitations on apologies? Ten years. Ooh, I can just get it in under the wire. Would you like to have dinner with me sometime? Are we becoming friends now? Well, yeah. Grace, a woman friend. You know, you may be the first attractive woman I have not wanted to sleep with in my entire life. That's wonderful, Harry. One of my favorite scenes. I'm like, these two just know how a relationship works. This is exactly how it's supposed to go. You know, some people try never to have fights. I was just having brunch with a girlfriend yesterday and she and her partner are really good about not saying things you can't take back. And I respect that a lot, but I am not capable. No. (laughs) I say terrible things. And, And I think Harry and Sally do too, but you can apologize and you can mean it and you can explain why you said it and why you didn't mean it and it can be erased. It doesn't have to live out there forever. Right. Um, and I, that's what I love about their, their dynamic. Okay, they don't have it all figured out, but they are working at it. They're they're figuring it out. <clears throat> right. And this is going to get to one of my favorite scenes, which so I won't give it away. But I, I think generally what I love is that when 
Sally really does get mad about something. I mean, when she yeah. really wants to make a point, she yeah. and and she and Harry realizes that he screwed up. He's very yeah. good about yes. backing down. There's a couple scenes like this, the one you just said and one yep. we'll talk about later, where yep. he right away knows and he usually uses humor, which of course is yes. is, the is beauty disarming of the movie, and yes, and, but yes. also disarming and he's so good yeah. at it. But it's not, you know, sometimes people use humor I don't know, is a way out of something that seems mm-hmm. cheap. Like you're just making right. a joke because you don't want to deal with things. He he gets the apology in too. Yes, um, yes. So no, that's he, right. Even some in people, that one, yeah, some people yeah. use it as a distraction, a deflection, as opposed to yeah. yes, yes, right. Because yes, yes, yeah, because yes. she says, you know, I hate that kind of remark. It sounds like a compliment, but really, it's an insult. And he goes, okay, you're still as hard as nails, which yes, is a exactly. joke, right? Yes, which is funny. Yes. And then that's yes. when she does the whole, I just didn't want to sleep with you and all that. And then yeah. he immediately goes, what's the statute of limitations on an apology? Yes. And she softens, right? Because yes. she realizes, all right, he knows. Right. Like, yes. I made my point and he gets mm-hmm. it. And yep. you're right. And that is a great scene there because that's when they decide to actually be friends. Which friends, we yes. all know from the outset that he believes men and women can't really be friends. <laughs> yes. And he's sort of like, wow, you know what? This is interesting. Yep. I'm going to have this, a female right. friend. Right, and and maybe I can work with this. He, she, cha- they both change each other. They grow together, and that is what I admire so much in a relationship. And and they definitely have that. And I think yeah. this is my next favorite scene. They start with their phone calls at night, and mm-hmm. and really becoming yep. friends. And yes, and Rob Reiner, I guess, did this the amazing split screen of, of yep. scenes where they're talking on the phone with each other while watching a TV show. Yep. Uh, which is just great. I, I love it. That's yes. classic as well. And it yes. makes you feel like you're in the conversation with them. It's, yes. it's, it's a great technique. But so they're, they're talking uh, and he says there's two kinds of women, high maintenance and low maintenance. And they're watching Casablanca. So Sally says, and, and Ingrid Bergman is low maintenance. And mm-hmm. Harry says, an LM, definitely. <laughs> and so Sally says, which one am I? And he says, you're the worst kind. You're high maintenance, but you think you're low maintenance. And Sally, I love it. I don't see that. <laughs> you don't see that? Waiter, I'll begin with the house salad, but I don't want the regular dressing. I'll have the balsamic vinegar and oil, but on the side, and then the salmon with the mustard sauce. But I want the mustard sauce on the side. And he goes, on, on the, the side, side is, is a very big thing. big thing for you. But this is what I love. She just goes, well... I just want yep. it the way I want it. Exactly. And that's just one of my killer quotes too. Yes, I had that as a killer quote. That right. was my way around putting it as a scene was I was just going to use it as a quote. Right. But I'm with you. And I love I love this. Yeah. And even though at first I I, I want to bristle a little because you've got this incredibly high maintenance man, honestly, mm-hmm, Harry, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, unironically mm-hmm. calling her high maintenance. Mm-hmm. And so first I'm sort of annoyed like, like who are you what is this like calling her high maintenance like you're so low maintenance right and but then she handles it you know the way sally handles it which is the great line i just want it the way i want it and i actually read an article about this scene and someone said uh is there a more empowering statement for women in 2019 19 and Uh, it was said in 1989 let's all print t-shirts and march down the street with huge sally albright heads on sticks Uh, because let's face it women are often told to be polite and not make a fuss but Mm -hmm. we should all be like sally right she taught us 30 years ago 
I, I just want, want it the it. way I want the it. The way I want it. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I know what you mean. Although I never, I never personally took it as an insult when I was called high maintenance or difficult or complicated or, you know, I was like, yeah, damn right I am. There was this idea that guys wanted a low maintenance girl. And I think that's just silly. It's so short sighted. The guy that marries a low maintenance woman ends up cheating with a high maintenance woman, you know, <laughs> during his midlife crisis. And he's like, why did I settle for this low maintenance? But the guy that's smart enough to marry the complicated woman or the high maintenance woman gets many different wives over the course of their lives together. Yes, never I mean, going to be bored. Never going to be bored. Um, she's unpredictable. She's strong and independent, but knows how to sort of engage, engage and relate to you. So I don't know. I I think it's poor language on their part, but I've never minded the sentiment. Um, right. But yeah, no, for sure. High maintenance was certainly, certainly 1989, uh, meant to be an insult um okay so that was yours your so you that's two for you the same as the first scene and then the scene in bed what is your third so my third is the scene after the sharper image scene the when they're with marie and jess the wagon wheel wagon wheel yeah so it's really the scene after it is my the one on the stoop okay yes absolutely but but they all run into each other and they're all i mean the sharper image scene is amazing right so when he runs into helen and ira Yes. And after they do the karaoke of Sorry with a Fringe on Top, and Mm -hmm. they were in the sharper image trying to buy a housewarming gift for Marie and Jess, who they've now set up and are moving in together. And, you know, you see Marie and Jess fighting over this horrifically ugly wagon wheel coffee table that (laughs) Jess wants to put in the living room. And and Harry basically has a meltdown because it makes him think about the fights he had with Helen at the end. You know, put your names in your books because, you know, at the end of a relationship, you'll be fighting over, you know, whose CD it is or or, or who gets this horrible wagon wheel coffee table. And that's when he says, like, one day you find yourself singing Sorry with a Fringe on Top in front of Ira. So he's really (laughs) just gone off the edge because of seeing Helen. So he storms out and the scene on the front stoop where – Sally then tries to console him I love because um he gets he gets nasty with her in a sense I mean you know he says you know especially when I'm being told how to live my life by little miss hospital corners yeah you never get upset about anything and she says you know don't be ridiculous and he says don't you experience any feelings of loss have you slept with one person since you broke up with Joe and yep. this I love. Now she gets pissed. The most, <laughs> yes. really, the most pissed we see her. Yes. And she says, "That will prove I'm over Joe because I <laughs> fuck somebody." Harry, you're gonna have to move back to New Jersey because you've slept with everybody in New York, and I don't mm-hmm. see that making Helen a faint memory for you. I will make love to somebody when it is making love, not the way you do it, like you're out for revenge or something. Yeah. And that to me was just such a good scene because she almost surprises herself with her outburst and it's funny so she says because um that'll prove i'm over joe because i fucked somebody and heretofore in this movie whenever which is a 1989 thing i think too whenever they mention having sex they say like did you do it with them did you go go to to bed bed with her right and they don't talk the way you know we do sleeping with other people 
Yes. And that rom-com <laughs> has now changed it. So, yes. so that's why I think it's so great there that she actually does say, because yes. I fuck somebody. Yes. Because it's out of character, but also yes. just not in line with the way they've been talking in the movie. And so now that just proves how pissed she is. And again, like we said before, he apologizes immediately. He backs yeah. down. Um, so I thought that was a great scene. Yeah, no, I agree for all of those reasons. Um, and and it is a little bit of she's she's even discovering how she really feels and what she's frustrated with him in that moment. And it, it does, it lands like she's really articulating something she's been keeping inside for a long time. And it just feels really powerful. Yeah, that was definitely um, one I was sad to see go. That was, that's a great scene. So what is your next one? So my final one is, again, one of the crossovers. And I just, I'm realizing I, so our two categories are best scene and cringiest scene. And you'll see over the season, there are a number of overlaps. I think I just like to be uncomfortable. I like to see something that makes me a little uncomfortable because it makes me think and and when I can think two ways about one thing I think I've really sort of mastered that moment or mastered whatever I'm I'm feeling about it so I I love that and this would be the fake orgasm scene oh interesting Um, it's it's a best scene for me but it is definitely also in my cringiest my top three cringiest and it is only in my cringiest Okay. Well, then I will definitely take the side of the best. Um, I Part of it is the context, right? It comes immediately after the scene that makes me most crazy, which is outside the scope of this po- podcast, um, where they're at the batting cages, and it's Billy Crystal and, and Bruno Kirby, and he's talking about how he ha- had sex so amazingly, he took a woman to another place and made her meow. And I'm like, no, 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 you did not. I'm sorry. No, you didn't. No, that did not happen. <laughs> she may have meowed for some strange reason. I don't even. Had, I'm not even sure why that's a good thing. What, yeah, exactly. What, what, what is meowing? Is that I, some sort of sign of supreme <laughs> sexual satisfaction that I'm not aware of? But I guess anyway, that did not sound good to me at all. Um, So it comes immediately after that scene where he is boasting about the sexual prowess that he may or may not be completely delusional about. It starts right off with she's she's like, uh, I'm just saying that most women have faked it and most men say it's never happened with them. So you do the math. I mean, how is that possible? And he then continues his ego trip and says... Oh, no, I, I mean, I would know. I, I would definitely know. It's never happened to me. You could not fake it with me. I would know. And then she launches into her her slow build to the orgasm. And I, I, I love it. Um, it's cringy because you know it's coming and she doesn't rush it and she sort of stays with it. But I love that. I love it. Okay. Listen, it is iconic. That is for sure. Um, And I I think that I feel pretty confident to say that this scene was probably the first time a woman ever openly faked an orgasm on the big screen, right? Oh, Um, for sure. (laughs) And I can applaud 
both Nora Ephron and Meg Ryan so exuberantly yeah. breaking sort of mainstream silence about women faking orgasms. Yes, yes. And the woman in me can give kudos for that. Yes, um, yes. So, so in that sense, the fact that it's so iconic and the fact that yeah. it is groundbreaking helps me a little, but ultimately it's just too long for me. Mm. And I sort of, I'm sort of embarrassed for her. Yeah, yeah. And that's where the cringe factor comes in. And yeah. this is probably my bigger problem when I thought about it because I, I really did say, oh, you know, come on, it's the orgasm scene. You know, like, right. what's your problem exactly right. in my mind? But I think it's because she's so prim and, and, and mm. tight, uptight a little bit. And yeah. again, in the, in the nicest possible way. Yeah. Uh, throughout the movie and sort of a control freak. And, you know, she won't have sex on the cold Mexican tiles. And right, when she tells right. Harry about her recurring erotic dreams since childhood, yes, there's yes. actually nothing sexual happening sexual. at all except her clothes change. So yes. it seems out of character in a way yeah. that yeah. Uh, that makes me sort of not buy it, you know. Mm, but, okay. you know, it doesn't really have to do with how Sally behaves really before that or mm -hmm. after that it, it's yeah i don't know i felt like maybe it was thrown in there for for a specific effect but i, I just don't see her doing that um I, see but i see it as again i and we we do see throughout the whole movie her challenging harry and his completely certain concrete views in life and right. she comes and knocks them down so swiftly one by one like you're wrong this is wrong you're wrong I will show you you're wrong and I'm gonna tell you you're wrong and this is the time she really shows him oh she, she really... shows him all right you're yes. right yes you're right and if she had just said women fake it all right. the time you'd be like no they don't which she did so and so she had to she's like okay let me show you so so interesting that you say that that's actually how Nora Ephron wrote this scene she wrote it as dialogue and there was no showing but Meg Ryan in mm. the movie, right. when they were going through the script, she said, I, I think I should just do it. And they were all like, OK, if you want to do it, you should do it. But right. Nora Ephron had written it simply as dialogue. And then Meg Ryan was the one who was like, I I'm going to do this. And then Billy Crystal is the person who wrote the line for Rob Reiner's mother, who says, I'll, I'll have, have what, what she's, she's having. having. Yes. Yeah. I did read that. But then I also read that Meg Ryan said she wanted to do it started to do it then realized really how embarrassing it it's, was yes, once there yes. was an entire you know set full of people around yep. her and a cast and then Rob Reiner kept going I need more you know you gotta yes. you gotta really go oh, for yes. it and then, yes. <laughs> and yes I think she sort of thought to herself shit why did I suggest this although of course it did end up becoming like we said completely yes. iconic so it, it it worked out but yeah i think once she started doing it and then you're right you think about it you have to do like 10 takes 20 oh takes my gosh right, of faking right. an orgasm that's a lot <laughs> right for sure yeah um yeah so i get it i do get it if that scene comes on the tv you're not like oh i gotta finish this scene before i go to bed right you know but i just think what it represents her really sh like shutting his mansplaining down she's like oh no 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 I will sh prove it to you right this minute you have no idea um and that's what I love about it 
Yeah. No, I, I get it. Yeah. Um, so did you have one more? Did you have another best? Or did yeah, you, yeah. It was the ending. Um, oh, and yeah. that's the one, the, the final scene at the New Year's yes. Eve party that, that I think also uh, cuts both ways for me. Um, yeah. So. Oh, bet we. It's best and cringiest? Yes. Oh, I know. And you have it as okay. neither, I, I take it. Well, I, I had it as a best, and I ended up incorporating it into my takeaway at the end. So oh, we'll see how. Look yeah. at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but go ahead. so, you know, we all know this, this what's happened here. Um, she's at the, the New Year's Eve party by herself. Marie dragged her there. She's not having fun. Harry mm-hmm. realizes that. You know, he's in love with her and needs to go tell her. So he goes running across the city and shows up at the party and makes the very famous speech. Uh, And, you know, she says, after he runs through all of the things, quirks about her that he loves, she says, you say things like that and you make it impossible for me to hate Mm -hmm. you. And I hate you, Harry. I really hate you. And Mm -hmm. that, to me, is one of my favorite parts uh that i do find very romantic uh Mm -hmm. it is really one of the most romantic i hate use in history Uh, but it's you know again (laughs) at the time that was very new in a romantic comedy I, i do think that has now been completely copied over and over where you know you talk about all the things you don't like about someone and then they're but but i love you anyway so Again, the romantic in me likes the scene, so it was one of my favorites. But then mm-hmm. I, it's also a little problematic for me. Um, and I don't know if I'm thinking too hard about it. And I, okay. I mentioned to you Let that, I've, that I've researched too much. But, you know, this whole <laughs> Harry listing all her faults, yeah. mm-hmm. which are now acceptable because, you know, they're sort of man approved. You know, now mm. all these quirks are OK because I said so. Mm. Uh, you know, and and then I wonder, would would if, if a man said all those things to me, would, would that really make me want to be with him? Uh, I know that he delivers them in a very endearing way, and at that yeah. point, they've gotten to know each other so much that you do, I think, believe them. But yeah. I don't know. I, okay, so I have a question for you. How is what he says different from someone who, quote unquote, sees you? Right? Because that's how right. I see it. That he is, he, that is the ultimate moment of I see you, Sally Albright. I see you and I love you. I've been doing a lot of things. And the thing is, I love you. What? I love you. How do you expect me to respond to this? How about you love me too? How about I'm leaving? Doesn't what I said mean anything to you? I'm sorry, Harry. I know it's New Year's Eve. I know you're feeling lonely, but you just can't show up here, tell me you love me, and expect that to make everything all right. It doesn't work this way. Well, how does it work? I don't know, but not this way. How about this way? I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. 
I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. And it's not because I'm lonely, and it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. You see? That is just like you, Harry. You say things like that and you make it impossible for me to hate you. And I hate you, Harry. I really hate you. So why is that? And I know you're 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 down with that. <laughs> the someone who sees you is really important, right? So I think we agree on that, right? But I don't know, like, how is this? Different? No, that's because... that's a fair point, and it's a good question. You're right that he's that if you're going to really see someone, you have to see both the good yeah. and the bad, and you have to accept yeah. it. And and some of the things he says are are not false. I mean, obviously, some of them are very romantic but and and yeah. honestly yeah i think you're right even the quirks or the faults are not really faults yeah even, and, but yeah to your point if you really see someone then even if they were really negative traits yeah. accepting them would would make that Is, okay then and these yes. aren't even really negative i mean it takes her half hour to order a sandwich um <laughs> right Yes. Yeah, but they're representational, right? To like taking a half hour to order a sandwich means you're high maintenance, or something else means you're closed off, or, you know, I think he's using really sweet examples instead of saying you're a big pain in the ass and, you know, you're wishy washy on this. He takes deep, probably insecurities of hers and makes them sweet and romantic and then says, I love all of it. So right, and that's why I think, in the end, I I definitely fall more in the camp of favorite. Yes, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't feel the heat between them. I think I've told you that. You know, uh, I, I agree. I think there's a sweetness, and even mm-hmm. though you've now convinced me this should be a favorite scene for sure, yeah, I do still think at the end of the day, I'm like those two. But anyway, so I think they're great so that, friends. But that I don't... segues beautifully into my first cringiest scene because I, I, we have discussed that that part of the beauty of this relationship is that it's a slow burn. The chemistry isn't exploding from the very first time they they lock eyes, right? It's a slow development of of friendship and love and. The best part for me is that they have a strong, like, working dynamic. But on the other side of that is some some of the scenes where you can tell they're a little more than skeptical of each other come off a little too cringy to me, awkward. So my first cringy scene is the the first New Year's Eve party. First of all. I mean, just on a silly, stupid, like her, her hair is in that like half side ponytail. Oh, I don't understand. And I'm like, what, what's going on here? It is the 80s. Like, it is the 80s, but it doesn't see to that to me. I'm like, Sally Albright would never do that with her hair. I don't care if it's the 80s. She yes. Would, she would get a bad perm because it's the 80s. And she does. Which she does. Yes. But the... Side ponytail, half ponytail. I mean, that just drove me crazy. 
but that's just a silly thing. Um, the really the scene is they're dancing on the rooftop and they're having a nice time as friends. I really, really just hate in general in life the idea of like the fallback. Like next New Year's, if you're not doing anything, if we're both single, we should go together. I mean, I really hate that. I'm like, the, what? what is that? That That's... It's like setting up a consolation prize. Yes, exactly. Which in is advance. What she says. Yeah, which is what she says later, which I love. Um, but it's all then. Yeah, exactly. The the just the awkward way they look at each other. They're supposed to be, you know, you can tell they're supposed to be fighting this line of like, are we friends or are we romantically interested in each other? But it comes off way too awkward for me and. Yeah, and it was uh, right, yeah. that's because that dancing scene is the, when they're dancing cheek to cheek right before mm-hmm. that, you yep. see in their eyes, you're supposed to sense that they're both thinking, hmm, wait, this right. feels different. Yes. I thought we were friends, but you're supposed to now be thinking, oh, could this be more? Yeah. And they're thinking it too, and so therefore, after it, they don't really know what to do, so they just, and then, oh, and then the... It strikes midnight and everybody around them is kissing. So yeah. they're just sort of oh. looking around yes. all, and uh, like, what should we do? Because we're in this yeah. weird in between. I, I agree with you that, that it is it is cringy. And and again, I as you've explained too, I think it's clear that it's supposed to be awkward. There are supposed to be in this weird stage of really settling into their friendship, but also developing more. But I think it ultimately comes off like they're really just not that into each other. It's, it's a little too convincing to me. Right. Yes. But yeah. then that leads into my first yeah. cringy. Well, my yeah. first was the orgasm, but is after they have sex. Oh, that. so that's my second. <laughs> that's, oh. Yeah. So that's my, those are my three. It's the first New Year's, it's the orgasm scene, and it's the, the crying when Joe is getting married. Oh, I mean, it, which is right before they have sex. Yeah, no, it's but it, go ahead. right. Yes, because now she's upset because she finds out Joe's getting married. So she yep. calls him to he'll come right over. And the when she's actually crying and running through the, you know, stuff about Joe that that doesn't bother me. That's funny. She's all it's like comedic yeah. crying. They call it. She's yeah. like, yes. she works in his office. She's a paralegal. Her name is yes. Kimberly. She just <laughs> met her. You know, she's supposed to be a transitional yeah. person as yeah. she's sniffling and throwing the tissues, you know? Yes. And then yes. she said, like, you know, she's, she's not supposed to be the one. He didn't want to get married, but the truth is he didn't want to marry me. He didn't yeah. love me while she's crying. I mean, that part, I'm like, ooh, um, I do like this part of the scene. So this is pre-cringe for me. Okay. When she says, why didn't he want to marry me? What's the matter with me? I'm difficult. And Harry says, challenging. Yeah. I'm way <laughs> too structured. I'm completely closed off. Harry says, but in a good in way. In a good way. <laughs> She's like, no, I drove him away and I'm going to be 40. You know, he goes, in eight years. And yeah. so that, I like that exchange or whatever. But then, you know, she says, just hold me. And they start oh, kissing. Yeah. And like you said, it's just not that believable. And and at no. that point, now we're further along in the relationship where we could start to feel some heat, but we yeah. don't. And instead, yeah. they have sex. And then afterwards, she's all smiley and he is panicked mm. just full-on yes. panic yeah. and you know from 
prior conversations with Sally that this is what he does. He fakes a reason with women to have to leave. Oh, I have a meeting. I have this. Yep. But now he's yep. doing it with her. And she's being so doting. Yeah. And I'm I'm disappointed in this scene, too, because yeah. she doesn't call him out on it. No. This no, is the no. one time where she doesn't say what you know she's thinking. And I get why. It's very yeah. awkward and she's they've yeah. crossed a line. But still, Sally, I'm disappointed yeah. in her in this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I, I actually think the whole thing is pretty cringy. There are a couple of cute cutesy lines of dialogue like like you've already mentioned but this whole scene is just pretty cringy for me it's so over the top and there's supposed to be some some chemistry some sexual tension there's just none you know contrast with sleeping with other people which we also talk about this season where it's exploding the tension and the chemistry is exploding off the screen here it's so not there no and it just does not feel right at all and you're right she doesn't call him out she's feeling vulnerable, and you understand why all of it sort of makes sense but i don't it's just not it's just not working for me but then by the end do you believe it no you, know, you, oh, you the s- end the chemistry yes. meaning you've set up two scenes where you don't believe it you think by the end the heat turns on yeah. Oh, no, I don't know if the heat turns on, <laughs> but I, I don't I do believe in their love. A hundred percent. Yes, I agree um, with that. By the end. But these two scenes stand out for me as just being awkward in the wrong ways. You know, they're not selling it for me. Yeah. No, I got you. I do. I, I agree. So then we can move on to what's your damage, Heather, which I'm interested to, to hear what you say, because I don't think Sally Albright as played in When Harry Met Sally has a ton of damage. I'm so glad you said this. There is yeah. literally the words on my page are what what <laughs> is her damage in, yeah. in, in all caps. <laughs> I think she's more just sort of a neurotic 30-something yeah. professional woman living in yeah. New York trying to find love and yeah. a fulfilling relationship and sure she's she's like we said quirky a little bit of a control freak high maintenance whatever but to me none of that is damage yeah uh, and it yeah from what we know in this movie of sally yes. Albright, i don't see her as particularly damaged right i guess we and we've touched on this just in the scenes especially the wagon wheel scene um harry would say she you know, nothing bothers her. And then when she's talking about Joe getting married, she's closed off, she's structured, which we see, which we do see in the movie. But it does appear more um, at, as just sort of she's ambitious. She knows what she wants. She's not going to compromise on what she wants. She's not going to lower her standards just for like whatever's in front of her. Right. Um, so it doesn't it comes off as maybe I don't know if this is a real like useful damage or more useful than certainly some of the characters we otherwise unpack um on this podcast so right I mean so if Sally's damaged then I'm damaged um (laughs) meaning the structured little bit of a control freak too closed off doesn't always 
let her really emotional or vulnerable side come out maybe mm-hmm. as a little exterior hard shell i had that so then yes. i'm damaged do you you yes. know i, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. and maybe i am i'm not yeah i'm not suggesting <laughs> well i know that. i am but that's like the that's the easy level for me but yeah but, but i feel yeah. we're like a i'm like a b low level damage then it, yes it, it's those things <laughs> you just described maybe you're right maybe it's more useful damage or maybe i'm deluding yeah. myself but it's there are it's not like there aren't things sally could work on um and i think sometimes she expresses herself better and lets her emotions out i think she is always direct but there are times where she could maybe let it go a little more or be more open yes so but otherwise yeah no i i'm i'm with you but of course as i sort of hinted to in the beginning uh, were projecting Nora Ephron and I found this really interesting quote that her longtime um, friend and editor said about her and he said and he was very this this interview came after she had passed away so I think he was trying to be very sort of honest but also respectful and he said if she had a failing for me it was her overwhelming need to have success and then um he continues to say that he thinks it was because of Nora Ephron's parents who were successful in some ways as writers, but also never really got there. Um, And then their failings or what they perceived as their shortcomings got them drinking and they both spiraled into, you know, terrible to being terrible alcoholics. And he thought that, that Nora just had it in her head that whatever, it was that dragged them down at the end of their lives. That was not going to happen to her. Um, And I just thought that was sort of interesting because we do perceive ambition as just, uh, you know, aside from the way men can be threatened by it, but, but ambition in a woman is pretty universally seen as like a great thing. Like, be ambitious be because we need more women at the top you know it just seems like a good thing but he's sort of shining the light on if it's at all costs and if you're willing to just that you're so you have your blinders on about it like you just have to do it because you're trying to correct mistakes your parents made maybe that's not the most or avoid yeah right or avoid mistakes maybe that's not the healthiest healthiest version of ambition it is interesting and I did not read that quote um and it could explain I don't know why she had three husbands and what I mean right I mean I'm not I'm not being glib but she clearly was ambitious, focused on on her career, and really at a time, not that there are still a ton of female uh, writers or producers or directors yeah. in Hollywood yeah. yet, yeah. but certainly when she was doing it, it there were far uh, far fewer. And I'm sure that couple that coupled with what you've just said is is in her DNA or yeah. or, or a result of her family that drive and ambition she might have sacrificed then in her personal yeah. life and maybe which you know she does say because we'll get to her what she said yeah. I, I think she does believe women can have it all but i think it's interesting based on what you just said because it sounds like she did have long these she had three marriages yes. but they were long i mean 
each one yeah. of them. So. I hope ambition is not damaged, though. Just <laughs> I think blind ambition, you're right, with I, with a purpose like that to, to avoid so, things could be. So but. that's a really great point. This is what I take away from that part of it. To me, anything can be damaged. It's how you use it and where it comes from, right? And two of those right. things, because how you you can even use it well. She, Nora Ephron, used her ambition very well. She wrote amazing things and produced amazing things, and she was using it well. But where if it where it comes from is like a really dark, ugly void, then maybe what comes out of it is complicated. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. Complicated, right? Um, um, so. I, I think it can, but I'm also, you know, me, this is where I'm not afraid of the word damage. So I'm damaged and I am, I have no, I don't have qualms about that, but. Um, well, and one, one thing I love that I've read about her family is that you said, like you said, both her parents were writers. Her sisters yep. are all writers, yep. but the thing they said repeatedly in their family growing up was basically everything happening to you in life. Yeah is material yeah, for sure is fodder yep. for for your writing okay. which she obviously did and she turned her life into movies but i thought i think that's great that that's how she was raised yes yeah no to see everything as a possible story yeah no okay so you're already launching into what what she said where we deep dive into the complicated woman behind the complicated woman um and there's certainly no shortage of material for screenwriter nora efron here um and that was basically everything is copy. It came from her parents. She has been quoted as saying, um, writers are cannibals, which I love. That's fantastic. Yeah. And her son's documentary about her is called Everything is Copy. So this yeah, is... Yeah, did you watch that? I ha I've watched it a few times, yeah. Yeah. Oh, is it good? I, I wanted to watch it's that good. before It's this. good. Um, I, I, I wanted it to be a little different and not better is not really the right word but it's great i you will never regret the that hour and a half watching it um spent watching it even for its faults and flaws and and shortcomings um definitely highly recommend so you've already said her parents were writers she has three sisters all four girls are writers um mm -hmm. and she had three husbands all of whom were writers her first husband was was right. a You're humorist right. Um, second husband, uh, Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, and then Carl Bernstein. Yeah, and yeah. then her third husband, also nominated for Academy Award, uh, writer with oddly connections. See, this is where I go back to Sally and I give her unpredictable because Nora Ephron's third husband, the one she was with the longest and until she died, uh, co wrote Goodfellas and was uh, and wrote oh i wise didn't guy know totally that. had ties to the mob like not i'm not saying he was in the mob i'm saying or whatever but like was connected to that world enough to write about it in such amazing ways the wise guys was nonfiction. so but always writers you have to be a writer to sort of be in her world um or be in the inner circle of her world um which is i i think just just it just shows she was born with the idea that everything is copy and it never left her. Heartburn, the the book and then the movie was about her second marriage imploding. Um, when Harry met Sally, she wrote she was supposed to play Sally Albright and Rob Reiner was supposed to play Harry. 
Um, Wait, so Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron were actually going to play it? That, Has Nora Ephron ever acted? I though? don't think so. I think that this was she wanted this to be her thing. Her and Rob sat down and he's like, let's write a story or let's do a story about um, a man and woman who say um, men and women can't be friends because sex always gets in the way and then they become friends and then they have sex and it ruins the relationship. And right. And you know there was going to be a different ending. No, I did not know that. Oh, what? Corinne. Tell me. So, yes. So they were supposed to not get together. And wait, and here they have here that, the original Here we've come to the moment in every episode <laughs> where you <laughs> tell me something I'm dying to hear. Tell me. So, okay, so gonna... initially they weren't going to get together and Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron agreed that would be the original ending. They said they had it where time goes by, they run into each other in the street, and then they walk in opposite directions. He said, I had been single for 10 years, having been married for 10, and I just couldn't figure out how it could work again. So Rob Reiner said, so in my mind, that was the only ending it could be. Um, But then during filming, he met his now wife. And he and Nora started talking about it, and they found the happy ending that he had stopped believing in. And then Nora got on board with it, too, and they rewrote the ending. That is fascinating. By the way, also incredibly fascinating that the the alternate ending that you just described is the end of the movie The Breakup with Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn. I had no idea, but that is literally the ending. They run into each other whatever month uh, months years down the line they have a pleasant exchange and then they literally go walking down the street in opposite directions yeah so that was going to be the original ending so unsatisfying in the breakup so i'm glad they didn't do it for for when harry met sally i know i know exactly all right well that's 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 your what she said i have one from her 1996 Wellesley commencement speech. Okay. She went to Wellesley, the all-girls college, and, and at a time where she talks a lot about what it was like, you know, for women then, even at a, an, an all-female college, which was probably more progressive than most places. So when she was asked to give the commencement address in 1996, like this is a very frequently quoted speech mm-hmm. Uh, by her and she said what are you going to do everything is my guess it will be a little messy but embrace the mess it will be complicated but rejoice in the complications it will not be anything like what you think it will be like but surprises are good for you and don't be frightened you can always change your mind I know I've had four careers and three Mm -hmm. husbands And this is something else I want to tell you. One of the hundreds of things I didn't know when I was sitting here so many years ago. You are not going to be you, fixed and immutable you forever. Mm. And I just thought that was was great. Embrace the messy, the complicated. And there's been other interviews too where she just talks about how you are just different people at different parts of your life. Only and if you're a complicated okay. woman. <laughs> Those, you're yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're actually, that's a good that point. Ties because back. I take yeah. that for granted. Mm, yeah. Because I think that, but you're right. Yeah. There are some people who just really probably maybe are the same yeah. person and they are not introspective enough to think yeah. about or, whether they want to change. Yeah. Or, or even just, if they see that they 
think that they could, then they're just like, oh, my life is so entrenched. You know, I can't, it would too be, yeah. be too disruptive. Maybe if they have kids, if they have a husband, you know, they don't know how to even begin the process to change, even if they could see it. So then they push it out of right. their heads. Um, and, and she certainly saw it, knew yeah. it, embraced yeah. it, and was proud yeah. of it and told these young women to go do just that. And she ends it with, whatever you choose, however many roads you travel, I hope that you choose not to be a lady. <laughs> I, hope you, I hope you will find some way to break the rules and make a little trouble out there. And I also hope that you will choose to make some of that trouble on behalf of women. Ugh, love it. So love it's it. great. It's love great. It. I want her to be my yes. commencement speaker. Oh, it's so good. We had a different one. Do you even remember no. who we had? Nope. <laughs> I nope. do. I do. It was Bertie Ahern, the then president of I Ireland. I knew it was something with Ireland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clearly, you don't remember his advice. No, it, Neither it do I. did not leave a lasting impression on me <laughs> like Nora Ephron's beautiful speech. That was, that was really good. Um, I just want to come back to Everything is Copy. And, and how that sort of stayed through her life and she passed it on to, to her children too. Um, but at the end of the documentary uh, that, that her son did about her, uh, he says um, at the end of her life, she believed everything is not copy. The things you want to keep are not copy. The people you love are not copy. That what is copy only applied to the things you had lost, the things you had wanted to give away, the things that had been taken from you. And he, and he sort of goes on to, to say that everything is copy was her way of controlling the narrative. And the most superficial parts are sold off and used, but the good stuff is kept private. And I... Uh, yeah, I love that the, the things she got out into the world were the things she wanted to give away, the things she wanted to control. This is one of my favorite qu quotes of hers. Above all, be the heroine of your life, not the victim. And, oh, and, I have that yeah, too. And by writing it, by telling the story, you then take control of the narrative and of take control narrative. of your life. And then you spin it how you want it to spin. And I... Uh, that is to me just gospel like those are words to live by I love yeah. that that was my last yeah. quote be the heroine of your life not the victim yeah. I love that she has this attitude though and I read in a bunch of different interviews um of the you know just get over mm -hmm. it um again this don't be the victim yeah. she um she she was in an interview talking about how some of her friends you know whenever one was getting divorced or one was going through something. And she goes, you know, and I never understood we'd be having lunch. And, you know, five years had passed. And my friend is still bitching about something her ex-husband did or said. And I just look at her and I go, just get over it. Like, like at a certain point, yes, she goes, I'm sympathetic. And, and I can, right, I can right. be there for my friends when they go through things. But eventually, she goes, I just find that people want to be the victims way longer yeah. Then they need to. And just at a certain point, you got to move yeah. on. Just move I on. I mean, and yeah. I think, I don't know that they want to be victims. Maybe some of them do. I know some people do sort of enjoy that role. But even people I know that are struggling that don't want to be victims, the problem is they don't know how to tell themselves a different story. Like, tell that same story of what 
ter- because Nora Ephron didn't, she had bad things happen to her. She was wronged and she was rightfully yes. the victim in many ways. But she always she took that yes, and it. reframed it. And, you know, I, again, you got to, you know, it's 2019. So you have to, you know, allow yourself the negative emotions and you have to go through the whole process. But at the end, when you feel finished with it, tell yourself a different story. Tell the same thing right. and reframe it in a way that puts you in power, that empowers you, that you're not the victim, that you are the her- heroine. I- I love that. Yeah. I think that's a more nuanced way of saying get over yes. it because get over it. But it's all the same to me yes. that I get it to yes. other people because get if you literally look at someone and say, oh, just get right. over it, it looks like you're not acknowledging their feelings and yeah. that it's not as complicated. Right. I mean, I come from a, a, a mother who my whole life was like, just yes, get over it. mine too. So I, 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 so I get that. But what you're saying is a, I think is a, uh, like I said, a nicer or more nuanced way of yeah. saying it, which is you can just take those same facts, but and and feelings and and reframe it into a way that you can move yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love Me too. it. Um, but we're writers, I so, know, and so was Nora yes. Ephron. So you say, you know, tell yourself a different story again. That presupposes that people have the sort of creative mental capacity to do that I mean I really just had this conversation with someone else and that's what they said to me was like yeah it's easy for you to say you know you're a writer (laughs) but I'm like but there's somebody you've seen in your life who you're like oh that person you know got married or that person found the you know there's always someone you can look at okay maybe you won't have the best imagination certainly you're not gonna be writing something that everyone's gonna want to read but just tell yeah, yourself you're, right. this, you're not being, yeah. like no one's reading this yes, story in your mind exactly. it doesn't have to be well written exactly. I agree and you don't have to go down the path of thinking you have to be a writer just you know just tell the same story what would you have done differently but, ha- slap them kick them I don't know whatever it is that makes you feel like here I am the, you know you love action movies make it into your favorite action movie you you know stab them in the heart with a butter knife who cares like uh, you know it doesn't have to be good right. just tell something else where you feel empowered it's just about changing the, that it's a story yes. for yourself yes, so that you feel yes. better um, all right. Do you have, I mean, I said I really literally have pages, but I think we should probably move on unless you have anything No, else. it's time for the crystal okay. ball, I think. <laughs> the crystal ball, Billy crystal ball. Which really, if one. you just keep, you are so good at the crystal ball. You <laughs> think I always find the weird quote or the thing you didn't know? This is your superpower, yeah, well, the crystal ball. I will say, I appreciate that. I do love taking creative license with this section but I didn't well I mean I kind of did I didn't really go far with this because I really felt too much um respect for Nora Ephron to to sort of tell tell the story but do you want to share or you just want to well first let me just say that someone asked Nora Ephron where do you think Sally would what do you think Sally would be like if she was 65 okay and she pauses and says, who knows? And the reporter says, well, do you ever think of the fate of your characters or what they'd be like in the future? And she said, never. Right. Why would you do right. that? One of the great things about movies is that it's just that short period of time. It's a bubble. Yeah. The last thing you want to know is that Elizabeth and Darcy had a fight over how to treat <laughs> the servants. 
Which, so I don't know if Nora would would appreciate our crystal ball or not. But she certainly, as the writer, didn't didn't engage in it, which so I think is funny. So do but- you know? I feel the same way about things I write. I do, mm-hmm. and I think it's a na- that is a natural separation. Like we are definitely doing this podcast as readers, viewers, cons- you know, consumers of the entertainment. But I completely agree. If I've written something. I've been with those characters for a long time in many variations, in many different scenes, stuff that's all on the, you know, cutting room floor that you'll never see. And I do not want to think about them after that. So I could see me hating this question as the, the maker of the material. But I think... It's a testament. I I would be flattered if someone did that for my work, even though I wouldn't want to answer it for them, because they just all that is is a is an indication that they want to spend more time with these characters, and you've already spent that extra time with them, but they haven't, and so they want to. And I, so I do, I understand that she, her answers. I wholeheartedly agree when I'm making it, but I do think it's a, um, a, a. true compliment that we just want to spend more time and think about these people uh, as they go on. And we're we're supposed to be looking at six yeah. months and then in five yes. years. I think in six months with these two, I don't think there's much to say. Agreed. I mean, they'd be newlyweds. We know they got married yep. three months yep. later because they tell us it was 12 years and three yep. months. So they're only, you know, they're they're three months into their marriage, so I think that one's pretty easy. They are they are newly yes, and they're just in New York doing their thing, yeah, right. Yeah. But then five years later, so five years later, I also think they're still in New York. I think that they're married with small kids. Mm. I think they did have children. Mm, okay. um, I think they're both still working on their careers though again we don't have too much about that yeah. in the movie but we we know and assume that that at least I do that she's still working as a as a journalist yeah. um I think the more interesting question is maybe in 10 15 yeah. years yeah. 20 years like I think the five years for them is fairly predictable but where I where I get a little crazy if, if we're allowed to stretch the crystal yes. ball out a little yes. further. But you can do the five years if you have a different Okay, view. no. So I I mean, I'll just do my whole thing. I agree with you on the six months. There's really not much change here. I, I think six months is enough to ruin some marriages. <laughs> you know, they, there's That's a fair. reason why they say the first year, year is the hardest. I mean, you're adjusting expectations in a whole new way. But I just don't see that for Harry and Sally. I think they've already right. sort of done that work of understanding their own dynamic. And they, they're they not going to implode in the first year for sure. Um, but five years, see, now this is where I I also did my projecting of Nora Ephron and I didn't want although for sure they probably have kids because that was part of the reason she broke up with Joe I just didn't so Nora Ephron had three marriages but only had children in one and it was the shortest marriage and it was the most damaging marriage so I didn't want to give them kids so I sort of made them in my mind I made them Nora and Nick uh, because 
I wanted her to be doing crazy things and seeing the world in a different way than she could have ever imagined. Like, again, in that documentary, she's talking about being at the casino, like playing roulette with these mobsters. And she never thought that she would be in that place. So that's what I see for Harry and Sally is somehow he gets assigned or she gets assigned to something that is just so off the reservation and then they're deep into this other world. I don't know if it's like, you know, I'm thinking it's like a little, maybe it's Ozark there. Maybe they're like in the <laughs> deep woods or in the bayou maybe. And Are they drug yeah, dealers? No, no, they're, mean- well, they go deep <laughs> undercover to investigate something about them and then they become wrapped up in the world it's like when harry mitzelli turns ozark meets the the departed that's oh my gosh okay see i did channel some nora efron and so i have it after 10 15 20 i don't know what what interval but that they're divorced. Oh wow! That they realize that they're better off as no. friends, and no. that and that the faults in each other that they found so charming are now just annoying. Yeah. Like <laughs> her ordering, her ordering, her uptightness, his mansplaining, yeah. and his theories. Like oh. they're just tired of it. They're still close and friends, but again, because I never felt the yeah. heat between them. I think ultimately they look at each other, and again, I don't know how long it is, but it's definitely somewhere down the road, and say. I like you. I get along with you. We're friends because that's how this relationship started. But I want more yeah. now. And again, sort of like what you're saying, I want her to have the passion. I want her to have sex with someone on cold Mexican <laughs> and I want her to, I want her to jet off to Paris at a moment's notice. And I don't think she's going to do that with Harry. Uh, and I think that's what I see. I don't. It's not a bad divorce, right, right. but it's. It's she at some point realizes that she wants more. But and and this is I mean, this is just frightening how like this reflects our real life conversations just about life. <laughs> like I think she could find more in some crazy assignment where she's you know, she's digging to the heart of a drug cartel. Come on. You could. I like that. You that presupposes but, that Harry's on board yes. with that, which maybe he is because you've made it that it's part of his yep. job. That's a story I I could get on board with yeah. too. I'm just thinking the, that one reflects again your imagination <laughs> and creative license with this crystal ball category that I yeah. love. But mine is a little more what I think probably happens in yes. real life, which is <laughs> kind of t- depressing. I, I totally, <laughs> I totally agree. There's, I just that just made me think. Yours makes a better movie. I just Let thought me tell of that you. lady, uh, Lady Gaga. I think it's a Lady Gaga quote that's like, it's not that I. It's not that I'm a liar. I just loathe reality. <laughs> like, that's that's my life. I, like, that right. is. Yours is 100% more true to life, but I don't like that. <laughs> yes, I get it. I totally get it. All right. So normally we'd moved on. We'd, we would move on to the supporting character that we want to see the most and the least of um, or see more of or see less of. But I'm just going to skip that one for this and or or at least I'll. I'm going to limit it just to the old couple interviews. So the movie is sort of done in a mock documentary style where they're interviewing all of these older couples about how they fell in love and stayed together and 
and sort of aspects of their their love. So I want to talk about which one of those couples you liked the most and which one you liked the least. Do you generally like these couples? This, I love it. Aspect of the movie, I, how their stories get interspersed. Because I, I want to hear why you I like this. L- just generally, I love it because because I could fast forward. Oh, these, are but, you kidding me? No, I, I mean, <gasps> oh my I, I could completely fast forward. Oh through my them. gosh! All right, well then we'll keep this really short. But but I've done the exercise. Yeah, I, I, no. So I, and there are ones I like more yeah, than others. So we'll we'll keep the segment short then. I love it. I I. Well, I have a soft spot for the mockumentary aspects. I because I love, you know, Best in Show. I love all of those movies that that are fake documentaries. Um, but also the content. I love hearing people talk about how they met and how they missed each other and how they came back to each other or how they they you know could have met each other 15 times and then I could hear anyone tell me those stories for forever I would never get bored of them though there are critics who say if you really watch these that most of them the women if since this is a podcast about complicated women are not even talking sure well I think that's just I mean how how old were these people I mean these people these were people born in the early 1900s yes my favorite was we were high school sweethearts that's what I call it the one where the woman says we fell in love in high school and he says we were high school sweethearts but then her parents moved away and he says but I never forgot her and she says he never forgot me and then he says but her face was burned on my brain brain." and it was 34 years later that I was walking down Broadway and I saw her come out of whatever but they just I love this but and this one is very much the woman and the man have yes. equal time yes. in the discussion. And she says, we both looked at each other and it was just as though not a single mm. day had gone by. I like, I like that. that one too. That was not my top, my top, but I did like that one. Um, my top was, um, I, I think it was the third or the fourth one, where they're born in the same hospital, seven mm-hmm. days apart. They oh. worked in the same building. Just all right. of those coincidences but they never met each other and then finally they do I am particularly partial to those stories where yes that was my second yeah yeah where you just think to yourself we're supposed to be together but it doesn't matter if we missed each other 10 times because fate was going to keep putting us back in each other's paths and I I love that so that one was my favorite is is your least favorite the one with the thirty five years to the day? Yes, where the guy goes yes. through. It's that I don't understand that oh, one. It's so out of makes place. Makes me angry. I just don't get the point of that one. That that one. I mean, basically, he's like had like seventeen wives, yeah. and yeah. and it's so disrespectful. To I me, agree to, to the woman. I think it I is. I think one. it's completely indicative of being someone's consolation prize. Yeah, I did not. No, like that I did. One. That was my least favorite. So, then we'll move on to our last segment, the takeaway, which is honestly kind of my favorite. It's kind of my favorite thing. I know. I, no, I no, want to hear yours. I'm no. so excited now with that wind up. I I need to. No. Hear <laughs> All right. Well, my um, my takeaway is there's a thin line between love and hate. If if someone you meet evokes strong feelings in you uh, like a strong reaction 
when it's right. a when it's a positive reaction, we call it love because that's just what we're I don't know conditioned to think. But I think it's science, it's chemistry, and it's a reaction. And again, to tie this back to Nora Ephron, if you spin that I hate that person or I hate this about that person, it's the other side of what you love. It's that's that's right. someone you love. And if I think you're more yes. likely to fall in love with someone you at some point hate or really hate something about them because they touch your emotional yes. buttons and, and you're more likely to fall in love with them than you are with someone who's just like you're indifferent about, right? I definitely yes, believe the opposite, yes. right? That's why they say the opposite of love is exactly. indifference. I, so you are absolutely so right. So I just think that uh, that that thin line is always there but it's all part of the same thing and it's just how you spin it is it that I love this person and you know what you love about them comes with the things that drive you crazy like I'll you know right. m- my husband I'm very unpredictable and sort of whimsical and spontaneous and he loves that about me, but it also is destabilizing. And he's a very yeah, he's a because right. he's a very right. consistent and stable person, and I am not. So, if he thinks it's important to be a consistent and stable person, then being the way I am intrigues him and also does not make him feel good. But they're all part of me, and so I don't know. I just I think this movie really captures that idea that and I, it's why I love that last line where she's like, because you say things like that and make it really hard for me to hate you. And I I hate you, Harry. And, you know, she's saying I love you, but she's saying I hate you. And I think they're closer than than people realize. Yeah. And she definitely captures that. Yes. In that final exchange, yeah. Nora Ephron yeah. as a writer, I don't, I don't know that I feel that about them throughout. Right. But I, I, I think that dialogue absolutely captures that, and I think that's a great, great takeaway. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know that this is a takeaway, but what I wanted to do was answer the question: Can men and women really be mm. friends? And I, my takeaway was: Men and women can really yeah. be friends, yeah. and I, that that's what I believed. Yeah. And then, like everything else, <laughs> I started thinking about it more and the lawyer in me argues both sides. And then I'm like, I actually just want to talk to Corinne about this. Because yeah. then I thought, I believe that on an intellectual level, that of course men and women can yeah. be friends. And and even if the sex part gets in the way, even if people are attracted to each yeah. other, all right, they can still be yeah. friends as long as you can actually restrain right. yourself and not act on the attraction mm-hmm. um or as long or as long as the attraction is not so overwhelming right. that you can't right you know maintain a platonic relationship right. but assuming right. you know you people can which i think they yeah. can then i do think men and women can be friends but then i thought i don't have any male yeah. <laughs> for real so, yeah. then, so then that's when i said to myself hmm i want to discuss this on the oh podcast boy! Because oh, Kate, I was convinced Kate, Kate. after oh. watching this movie that my takeaway was Harry was wrong. Men and women can be friends, and and then I thought I don't actually have any male yeah. friends. Well, I have male colleagues, yes. or we have couple friends who I am friends with the with the man, of course, or friendly. Yes. But 
I don't, they're not my right. friends. I right. don't it's, call them up right. and talk to them right. about issues in my yes. life the way Harry and Sally yeah. do. Yeah. So what's the so, deal? Kate, you're, can, can men and Kate, women be friends? you're going to get me in a lot of trouble here. I, <laughs> you're going to get me in a lot of trouble. And I, that's my favorite kind of podcast. And you know, I have to say, I, I, I could have shut it down for sure and been like, let's just talk about this offline. But in honor of Nora Ephron, I will say that I struggle with this. My husband and I were recently talking about, and I was saying that one thing that I miss about not being, you know, I, I worked my whole life in male-dominated areas of law, real estate right. and finance, and then I worked at investment banks. Like I have, my male colleagues have often been men. And at points in my life, I've, I've had real friendships um, with male colleagues. Um, my first office mate, another guy who I worked with at, at a few different banks. Um, and they were real friends. Um, but I was saying recently that's something I miss about not being in a traditional office uh, setting. And what I'm really missing is male friends. And I was talking to my husband and saying... But how do I go about getting a male friend now? <laughs> right? Like, could you imagine me sidling up to some guy at pickup from no. my kid's school and being like, hey, and also, this is so silly, but it's real. I don't, uh, no one, I'm just, I may never have girlfriends after this. I don't like wine. I'm just gonna say it I don't oh. like to drink wine I want to drink beer <laughs> and that's fine you should drink no, whatever I'll, you want I like okay. what I what, what is yes Sally I hear you I just like it the way I like I it. hear you but Kate we have a, a mom's night out they don't have beer they have 40 freaking bottles of wine do you think anybody has a beer for me no what am I supposed to do bring my oh, this beer is, this is <laughs> This is fascinating. Yeah. I would never not have beer for you. I just want you to know, but I get but your point, which is it's a it's thing. It's a thing. Yes, it's and, a thing. And yes. by the way, it's a thing. And it's also indicative of the fact that now I've, I'm doing much better, <laughs> maybe, I don't know, as a mother, um, fitting in with women. But I don't fit in very well with women. And I like women and I, I'm, I want to be friends with women. But I often feel out of place with them. And it yes. is generally speaking, and this is a huge generalization for me also, but generally speaking, I fit in quicker and easier with guys than I do with women. Which is, which explains why. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah. I feel the Well, and way. those are the girlfriends that are left in my life are the ones who, um, who are, who are yes, alpha. I think yes. I have more male yes. tendencies than female. Thank you. I 100% agree. But, the thing about the male colleagues, though, that yeah. you had in the workplace, yeah. I have those two, and I get what you're saying. I I work certainly with more men, and I always have, and I've I've had work spouses, yeah, as yeah, they're referred yeah. to. But that's those, not a friend. I know, it's great because you get your male perspective, which I think you're saying you like and you miss. Yeah. And so I feel like that void is filled because I do like to yeah. talk to men and they do have different yes. perspectives on things. So I can get that at yeah, work. No, and I am personal with them. But yeah, I don't have them I, outside. I agree with you. That is sort of a different animal and has its own um, benefits. But I did have tr true, genuine friends that were men. But now right. I can't imagine making a male friend. Like, 
would you? Can't. I mean, how would I would you? assume first of all, like, could you imagine if I just texted some guy? Yeah, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> and and right. if you met them yeah. through couples of yours, which, like I just said earlier, there are of couple friends we have. Yeah, that there's there's some where I really get along with right. the man, and we have, but I could never, no. to your point. Te- but nor like, would I want to be because to, to me if no. I'm friends with the woman then that's like she's my person I don't probably mm. that the person she married is different from me in a way that I'm not really going to be close friends with them but right and you really could right right because it would be weird <laughs> well that too so that's the part that bothers me is the weirdness like I just can't imagine some guy being like oh yeah I'm gonna just go grab a beer with Corinne you know, I'll be home at nine. Like, I just don't think that would be okay. Is, is that, I get what if the what if the guy's single though? I mean, you keep talking about the wife would find that's weird or whatever. What if he was single? Yeah. Then you still. I guess it's no. Still I weird. no. I think that could work, but I don't know that I know any single men that I'm thinking about it. But um, right. Uh, but. I just think that... Or divorced. If the person was divorced, then they'd think that he was trying to hook up with I you. I guess, but who, who cares? Knows? Like, I don't have... To, like, it just because he is... Does, or I, you know, first of all, he doesn't have to. And second of all, I certainly don't have to oblige in any way, shape, or form. But... So what, what we've learned here is men and women can be friends, but it's very difficult. <laughs> because... I, no, Kate, given this the is circumstances, the takeaway. This is the takeaway. People who drink beer should be friends with each other, and people who drink wine should be friends with each other. I don't care what's in your underwear. You should just be friends with each other. Because and I don't even really watch sports, but I'd go to a sports bar because the vibe is my vibe, and I want to drink a beer. And they just don't understand that. Like They're like, why don't you want to hang out with us and drink wine? And they just don't understand me. And then so that becomes something then something unknown is generally threatening. Even if I don't want to have sex with their husband or am not interested or there's zero chemistry or there's nothing going on. I think that the unknown is confusing and and thereby threatening. And that's a lot of times how I feel about other women. Now, I'm not talking about my friends and people I know, but but sometimes I feel like that about other women. I'm like, I don't really get you. I don't really yeah. understand. Well, I have that yeah, problem. so I don't really understand yeah. what's going on here. But and I drink wine. Yes, I, but I mean, I prefer tequila. But I drink yeah. wine, and I still. It does, let me just tell you, it doesn't help you. Understand. <laughs> well, that's good to know. <laughs> that is good to know. Seriously, because I really feel like oh, I've been no. like I, I feel like I'm missing something with the wine aspect. But no, there's okay. nothing special okay. in the grapes okay. that will help me okay. be more feminine okay. or relate to women okay. better. I would still probably feel more comfortable okay. in the sports right. bar, but that's where then it's awkward for me to order yes. the wine. But and it's probably going to be swelled because we've done tequila. that. You and I have yes, done that. It's dis- exactly. Then you see me, I get yes. all annoyed. This tastes yes. like crap. So yeah, but but so I don't know that it's the alcohol, but. It is the the fundamental question of this movie, so I felt like we should okay. and I'm gonna we should probably end and, with it. And See? I will spin it though I will answer it on, on a wonderful note, which is that it's hard for anyone to be friends and make friends, and so just be happy with the friends you have, <laughs> whatever whatever yes. gender, whatever their sexual orientation, whatever it is, just be happy you have those friends. <laughs> Yes, because as we get older in life, I think you're right. You start to appreciate the ones who really still truly are your friends. And you're right. It doesn't matter who they are, but we'll we'll take them and we got to keep them. This has been Pop Fiction Women with Corinne and Kate. 
If you loved this episode, please leave a review. And if you hated it, email us. We want to hash it out. Love us or hate us, don't forget to subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. And keep it complicated.